This is the Mercy Talk podcast. Mercy Talk is brought to you by Mercy Multiplied. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower both men and women with the same biblically-based principles we've seen work for over 35 years in our residential homes. If you want to find out more, head on over to mercymultiplied.com. Welcome back to Mercy Talk. We are officially in a new month. Hello, fall, maybe the fall, yes. Pumpkin spices. Pumpkin, oh girl, you know, yes. Sorry, I get very excited (laughs) about that PSL. (laughs) Don't play, okay. Uh, Side note, you are probably excited to hear the beautiful and lovely voice of (gasps) Melanie Wise. I'm back. (laughs) She's back. A little more sleep deprived, but (laughs) I'm back. Completely different human. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It changes you, right? Yes. Everyone. I mean, all the moms out there, I used to be a heavy sleeper. My kid's sleeping great, but I am not because every sound (laughs) I hear, I'm like, (gasps) and so apparently that's a thing. Yeah, it is. You can go from being a great sleeper to not at all. It is. The reflex of a... (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to think of an animal that jumps yes, really fast. Yes, truly. I will like throw the sheets off. A like, leopard, <gasps> whatever. Yes. Something's here. Yeah. No. And it's just a grunt from it's the baby. It's so but, real. Yeah. Right. We're having fun and um, we're, yeah, I'm excited to be back. Yay. You guys rocked it while I was gone though. I've enjoyed oh, listening to Mercy Talk while friend. I was on leave. So It was fun. It was yeah. when we brought in Jen, which was fun. Yeah. And Brooke took me to school. Yeah. Um, you know, As she always does. Always does. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're excited about this month, right? Yes. Yeah. We're super pumped because... Wait. You guys just need to know, we're going to be real for a minute. After every session of recording a podcast, we basically try to solve the world's problems by talking about the Enneagram. (laughs) And you have also probably heard us throw Enneagram language around here. And if you haven't heard us, you've heard everyone else in the world. It's true. Throwing Enneagram language around. (laughs) At you. And so if you're going... Well, great. I'm out for September because I'm so sick of the Enneagram or I don't understand it. Uh, Just hang hang on for just a second because we want to at least present this in a very tangible and wait for it. Here's that word practical way practical. <laughs> we love our favorite word. it's our favorite word but it's true we're not saying that you have to be sold out nerds like us although you should be <laughs> but it's okay if you're not what we want to really do is just present this as another tool in your toolbox as one of our guests will, will mm. later say um, to help you in life with your relationships even your relationship uh, with the lord and your self-awareness your relationship with yourself yeah Really, which is cool. So what we are doing for this first episode is we got to have a conversation with Enneagram expert Beth McCord. Now, you may already know Beth. She um, is in this area, this national area, but she is an incredible author, teacher. Uh, she is author of a new book that's coming about, coming about, coming out. It did come about, but it's coming it out uh, in October and it's on Enneagram in the marriage. And so we got to sit down with her and just have a conversation about all nine types. So if you're not even sure where to start, if you come into this and you go, well, I know kind of, and I've heard about the numbers and I've even taken a free test, mm-hmm. but I'm not really sure like what these numbers are and what they mean. Mm-hmm. She is literally going to school us for like an hour mm-hmm. <laughs> on what the numbers are and what that all entails. Yeah. And if you're like, no, I'm already an expert myself. I already know about the Enneagram. I've read a book. 
I can guarantee you, as someone who has followed and studied the Enneagram for at least two or three years now, our conversation with Beth was so enlightening for me. She's shared things that I had never heard before. So even if you think, I don't need this episode because I already know about the Enneagram, I can guarantee you there's probably going to be some stuff in here that's very enlightening for you. Yes. Um, and at least just refreshing. So Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's so, so good. Don't tune it out just yet. Give it just one shot here in this first episode. So here is our conversation with Enneagram expert, Beth McCord. Well, Beth, we cannot tell you how excited we are to have you on the show today. I have to tell you that we um, are big Enneagram geeks over here. And after about every podcast that we record, we end up (laughs) talking about the Enneagram for a good 15 minutes or so. And so we're like, we should probably just record ourselves talking about the Enneagram. But for real. (laughs) But actually have someone who's a legit expert because we feel like we are. But in fact, we are not. And so we are just really thrilled and honored to have you on today. Um, And just the fact that you would take time to be with us means a lot. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, before we jump into anything, we would love to know just even kind of your story, um, how you got involved with the Enneagram um, and just kind of where it all began for you. Yeah. So, um, for me, it really began back around the year 2001. Um, my kids were ages one and three, and my husband was going to seminary at the time. And we had been married for, gosh, let's see, like four or five years at the time. And I was just at a stage of my life where I just didn't understand myself. I didn't understand mm-hmm. my husband, and I definitely didn't understand those little kiddos. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I was gonna pull my hair out you know like Mm. what in the world why does it seem so hard and difficult and why do I keep falling into the same like common pitfalls and not like quote-unquote learn my lesson you know um and so I just felt really discouraged at that time of life um and so some friends had gone to a counselor and he introduced them to the Enneagram so when they heard that we were kind of struggling we are they and introduced us to the Enneagram and so I started reading the book that they gave me which was Richard Rohr's book Mm -hmm. um, Christian uh, Perspective on the Enneagram and my husband thumbed through it but he had lots of other books to read so I mean he thought it was (laughs) kind of interesting but he just it wasn't like something he was really looking into diving into but for me I just absorbed it and dove headlong into it Mm -hmm. especially when I saw the type nine which was of course the last one I read Um, (laughs) and because when I was reading all the others which is a typical nine thing to do it was like oh well maybe I could be this or maybe I could do that and then I got to the nine I was like oh no this is me for sure and so um so it was just this eye-opening experience and that's a big deal for a nine I mean it is for any anyone that reads the Enneagram they're like oh my gosh so clear Mm -hmm. but the nines don't know themselves very well Mm -hmm. and it's like we live with this internal fog Mm -hmm. and so to have something kind of wipe away some of the fog so I could see more clearly was so um like inspiring it was um it brought a lot of clarity and assurance and it gave me like places to like walk forward in, you know, instead of yeah. feeling stuck. Yeah. So that's really where it all began. But as a good old nine, um, <laughs> I 
kind of just kept it to myself for many years. I mean, I talk about it with my husband a little here and there, sure. but he wasn't super intrigued by it for quite a while. And actually, he actually mistyped himself for a number of years. Oh, wow. And we do joke about it because I was like, I guessed him, right? You know, <laughs> but he's like, no, because my mom and him are the same type. And he's like, no way I'm not, am I that type because I'm nothing like your mom. That's and that's why the Enneagram is so intriguing because the Enneagram is talking solely about why you do what you do, yeah. not what you do. Yeah. So outwardly, my mom and my husband look extremely different. Mm, okay. Um, they're both type sixes, but they're very different types of sixes. Mm, but okay. the Enneagram is getting to the core motivations of why you do what you do. Yeah. And at the core, they're actually the same. But mm. the way that they go about dealing with those core motivations is very different. So for many years, he was convinced he was nothing like my mom. <laughs> and so he had mistyped himself. So, you know, it makes sense why he didn't really gravitate towards it as much as me. Sure. Um, and so I just kind of used it a little here and there and just kept learning um, as I went along until he started seeing how it was really changing my life. Mm. And that's when he started implementing it in his life. Um, and we then started really kind of using his theological training to bring a gospel perspective mm. to it. So cool. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it's just funny because I think when you were describing about your husband and your mom, um, I've had that play out for me as well um, with a good friend of mine who from the outside looking in, we could not be more different. Mm. I mean, no one would ever think, oh yeah, they are like the same Enneagram number. But I think yeah. what you said is so important. And for people maybe who are new, which again, this, this episode is really kind of trying to introduce people who are, are still new to it. Um, that it's not that, you know, so many people say about pers any sort of like personality typing thing, like it, I don't want to be put in a box. I don't want to be put in a box. Yeah, you know? yeah. like, yeah. And I love, I don't know, I can't even remember where I read this, but it's like, that's okay. This is just actually telling you what box you're already in and helping you get out of it, which I <laughs> yeah. love. Um, exactly. But it was just so eye-opening for us, for me and my friends to be like, we're so different. We're so different. And then we realized we were both ones. And as we started talking through it, we were like, oh my goodness. <laughs> were we cut from the same cloth? I mean, just again, all of the underlying yeah. stuff, it's those fears. It's the things that motivate us from day to day. Uh, it was just, it was crazy to realize how similar we were. Yeah. So um, I think that's a really good thing to, to point out. And I love that you've been around the Enneagram for way longer than it's been cool and popular right. in culture. <laughs> that's, that's yes. awesome. Yes. In Nashville, yeah. it's like, the comfort. Well, I mean, it's been around, I know, for so long, yeah. but it's an easy, I guess it's a playful way to kind of get to know somebody. So yeah. I don't feel like there's one conversation I've had with like a barista or my target clerk, you know, whoever yeah. it is. It's like, hey, what Enneagram number are you? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like if you don't know yeah. what the Enneagram is, well, that's why we're helping with this podcast. Yes. So help. Yes, <laughs> you absolutely. know what it is. Absolutely. So. Well, so as we said, you know, this is really an episode specifically for people who know that we're about to go through a whole series here on Mercy Talk on the Enneagram. And they're like, no, I don't know the Enneagram. <laughs> I can't follow this. I'm not going to listen this month. This show is for you because we want to at least just lay some foundational um, information out there for you so that you kind of can follow us in the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, and so, Beth, if you wouldn't mind, you know, first of all, just giving some basic information just on what the Enneagram is and what it's not, and then maybe starting to break down some of those first numbers for us. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so the Enneagram, like I said, is all about 
the why. So why you do what you do. And we discuss it more like an internal GPS. So mm-hmm. you have your current location, which is your main Enneagram type. Now we use all nine types to varying degrees. But you have one that reigns supreme, and Mm -hmm. it is really the core as to why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. And so think of that as your current location when you're using a GPS. And then you have your healthiest destination, and that's really what it looks like when you're um, at your freest, your best. Meaning, yes, we identify with a certain type, but it's like you said, we're already in this box. It's constraining Mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. It's not... There's no freedom in this box. Mm. So we want to get outside this box. Now, that doesn't mean our type is wrong or bad, but there, when we're not in our healthiest spot, we believe certain thoughts um, and motivations are real and true, and we must follow them. Mm. And that is the hardwiring of our Enneagram type. Mm. And when we're unhealthy, we habitually follow what it says for us to do and we think that we have the right perspective on life and everyone else is wrong <laughs> Isn't that the truth? and yes, we absolutely <laughs> have to follow this yep. well it only constrains us at this less healthy level mm-hmm. um, but it feels absolutely real and true and the correct thing to do but the healthier you get you realize these constraints start to fall off and mm-hmm. you take on the healthier attributes of your type but you also take on the healthier attributes of many types. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can take on any of the healthy attributes of actually all my types when wow. you are at this level of freedom. And that's why we do talk about you're already in a box. Let us help you get free and that's get right. out of this box. Now, you will always remain your main type. That will always be the the lead, the why you do what you do. But we're wanting you to recognize there's so much more to offer than the constraints of the less healthy parts of your personality. Mm. Um, So we're not saying at all in any way, shape, or form that any type is right or wrong. They're all great. God designed us and gave us the ability to have certain thought processes, but we just want to make sure we're at our healthiest because when we're at our healthiest, not only does it benefit us, but it benefits all of our relationships. Mm. But when any of us are not healthy, it derails us in all of our relationships, including our relationship with ourselves. Wow, and definitely. so the Enneagram helps you to understand where you are, kind of like a GPS. Sure. You know, are you heading on your healthiest path or have you been distracted or fallen asleep at the wheel and you've fallen off course and into that common pitfall to you know on the ditch the next to you sure so you also want to use the enneagram not just like an internal gps you want to use it as that but also as a rumble strip on the highway that that thing that will wake you up Mm -hmm. when you're fearing off course that's good that is good Mm -hmm. that yeah yeah and so the Enneagram is going to tell you, I mean, it is a non-judgmental friend. It will yeah. explain to you exactly what you're going to be like when you're not doing well. Mm. And so <laughs> yes. that's a good thing, but it feels really horrible when you first start reading it because yeah. <laughs> it will dredge up a lot of shame and sure. self-condemnation and fear. But what we want people to realize is that there's we already have freedom in our relationship with Christ. And so... If we know that, then we don't have to fear this derailment and falling into this pit. What we want to recognize is there's freedom and in, in seeing, oh, you know what? I am doing this, that, and the other, and I can come back and get aligned again with what's true and not fall off course. Yeah. And so we want that. Um, we want the Enneagram to wake us up like a rumble strip going, oh, so for instance, like me as a type nine, 
when I accommodate too much, when I people please too much, when I don't know what I want, um, go along to get along and avoid conflict, I actually am creating conflict (laughs) by trying to not create conflict. And so when I can see that as a rumble strip and feel it, I can go, wait a second, hold on. That is not the healthiest path for me and Mm -hmm. for my relationships. Mm -hmm. What is the better way? So how can I get back on course? And that's really what the Enneagram is all about is our personal growth and freedom that blesses us and others. But it also takes we have to have the, the strength and the know-how of how to see more clearly our weaknesses in order to stay on to our healthiest course, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so good. The one thing that I would say um, stood out more for me um, was being able to identify those who I can help and those who I cannot help. Jesus, yes, was not enabling and his no was not crushing. And that really stuck with me. Your life is intentional. And it was created by um, God who knew all of the things that you would go through despite the challenges, despite your struggles. And struggles are real. But despite all of that, God works it for your good. The the Bible says that his plans are for good and not for evil, but to give you a hope and a future. Chances are you may know someone who is hurting or struggling. If you want to learn how to support those people in a healthy way, please check out mercymultiplied.com for an Empower workshop near you. So could you maybe break down like, We'll get, let's get real specific here. The f- let's go with like the first five. Maybe if somebody has no idea, like you just said type nine, what does that mean? What, what is a nine? Yeah. Maybe like one, two, three, four, five? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go over them as quickly as I can. Of sure. course, as you know, it's like, okay, it's so hard. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> so packed. Yeah. Yeah. No, take yeah. your time. You're good. Yeah. So, um, so the biggest thing is you want to look at the core motivations of each type and I describe the core motivations as being your core fear, what you're running away from all the time, or trying to prevent. Like, this is not going to happen mm, yeah. <laughs> on your watch. Yeah. Then you have the core desire. This is the thing that you're trying to obtain. Life will be perfect if you have this. Then you have the core weakness, or it's also called the passion or the deadly sin in other circles. Okay. And the core weakness is like your Achilles heel, the thorn in your side, the thing that keeps tripping you up all the time. Mm-hmm. You grow, you know, we ebb and flow through this, sure. but it is constantly tripping you up. Mm-hmm. And then you have the core longing. And this is the message your heart has always longed to hear from, mm-hmm. let's say, your parents, teachers, coaches, friends, spouse, kids, careers, etc. And, and when we don't get it, we actually start demanding and judging and punishing people in order to get it from them. And that only hurts our relationship. So we want to learn how to get that from God personally and not mm-hmm. demand it from others. Mm-hmm. That's good. So so we'll go over all, um, you said the first five, right? Yeah, let's do the first five. Okay, <laughs> we'll great. So, <laughs> yeah, so the first one is the type one, the moral perfectionist, and they fear being wrong, bad, evil, inappropriate, unredeemable, or corruptible. And they're desiring to have integrity, to be good, balanced, accurate, virtuous, and right. So as you can kind of hear, it's about ethics, morals, procedures, etc. Now, where you're going to really recognize them is their core weakness of resentment. Now, this is where they're repressing anger that leads to this 
continual frustration and dissatisfaction with themselves, others, and the world for not being responsible and perfect. And so for them, they have this loud inner critic that's like a megaphone at their ear that is assaulting them with all the imperfections of the world. It's not like they're looking for imperfections. It actually leaps out and assaults them. And Mm. then they feel like they either they or others must fix it because of it. If we don't or they don't, the inner critic will constantly berate them. And it's just oppressive. So what they are hoping and desiring, so the core longing, I mean, is to hear you are good. Mm. So that's the, that's the type one. I'm looking like, at, meanwhile, I'm yes. crying. A uh, Mel is a one. So <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's oppressive. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, no, so it just resonates, right? Right on point. Yes. Yes. And it's true, right, that, that you're not like going around trying to finding imperfections they leap literally they leap do. out at you and assault it's you true. that's actually really helpful to hear because i don't know that i've heard that before as much as i've been around the enneagram because i'm like i feel as if this makes it sound like i'm just going out there to find everything wrong with everyone in the world and i'm like i don't feel like i do that mm-hmm. it's just there mm-hmm. i just i do see it so yeah that was actually very encouraging well, yeah and, and so here's the thing it's like you're going around and all these imperfections are leaping out at you the inner critic is them berating you to either you fix it or others fix it Mm -hmm. and even if you wanted to go hey it's okay it's cool let's just ignore it like the inner critic is like uh no i don't think so Mm -hmm. and so the ones are trying to correct people or themselves or the world not so much as like everyone else might feel it as Mm -hmm. being judgmental Mm -hmm. and critical it's they're trying to get the inner critic to calm down and to be quiet so that they can have some sort of peace and rest from it. But others don't see that. What they're seeing is this criticalness, this edginess, this prickliness, but they don't realize how, um, how much they're being assaulted on the inside. And so that's what I always want people to recognize is if you feel the prickliness or the judgmentalness or the criticalness of a one, recognize that it's about a thousand times already happening to them internally and it's now spilling out outwardly. Um, and that helps people to have the compassion like, Oh yeah, I don't really enjoy it coming out at me. Therefore I need to recognize how much they're having to deal with it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I cannot wait to get home tonight to share that with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it like to be married to a one is what I, yeah. Anyway, so, so thank helpful. you. Yeah, oh my gosh. that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so the type two is our supportive advisors. And their core uh, fear is being rejected, unwanted, not being uh, needed, inconsequential, dispensable, worthless, and definitely feeling unworthy of love. So what they're desiring is to be appreciated, loved, and wanted. And so to recognize them is to recognize their core weakness of pride. So what they do is they're going to deny their own needs and emotions while they strongly have this, or they have this strong intuition of focusing on others' emotions and needs. Like, it's just a superpower. They walk in a room and they know what people feel and what they need, Mm. and they know exactly who is in the most need, and they kind of, like, zone in on that person And they feel compelled to move in and help and serve in some form or fashion. And if they don't, the way that their hardwiring is, is that they, therefore they're selfish if they don't. And others will see that they're not because they they kind of feel like everyone sees that there's this problem or there's this issue. And if they don't move in to help, 
then others will see they're being selfish and therefore they'll reject them Mm -hmm. and not love them. And that's their greatest fear. So they feel that they have to be helping all the time in some form or fashion, but it's exhausting. And therefore they're not focusing on their own needs and that only spirals them downward, which Mm -hmm. only creates more problems. Um, But they really do, the reason it's pride is they do know what others are feeling in need and they insert themselves confidently in other people's lives. (laughs) Um, And that's a big, that's a really big difference between nines and twos. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get confused between those two and nines Mm -hmm. will not insert themselves confidently into other people's lives. Even if they know that there's a need, they might ask, would you like me to help you? Would you like this? Mm -hmm. But they're not going to insert themselves. Whereas a two is like, you're hungry, eat this. You, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Eat this. Like, <laughs> they are inserting themselves. Right. <laughs> Especially the more that they fear they're not going to get what they need, the more that they actually insert themselves, even if it's yes. not wanted. Yes. So that's where pride comes in. Yeah. Um, and the, what they long to hear is you're wanted and loved. Mm-hmm. So, okay, um, the type three is a successful achiever, and they fear being exposed or thought of as incompetent, inefficient, and worthless. And they definitely fear being seen as a failure. Mm. Um, Now, they desire to have high status and respect, to be admired, successful, and valuable. But their core weakness is deceit, and they what they're doing is actually deceiving themselves into believing that they're only the image that they present to others. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they kind of embellish the truth, um, whether a little bit or a lot, so that others will see a more polished persona and that people will admire it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are the shapeshifters of the world. They know exactly how to act with whoever they're with to put on the best persona because for them, they're as good as their last image or success. Oh, yeah. And gotcha. they they fear that if you see anything that's less than um, successful or admirable, that they won't be loved. But what they mm. desire or long to hear, sorry, what the core longing is, is to hear that you are loved for simply being you. They mm. would love to not be able to have to achieve all the time and just know that they're loved, but they don't think that's actually what's going to happen. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, so type four is our romantic individualist, and they fear being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain, mundane, defective, flawed, and insignificant. What they desire is to be unique, special, and their most authentic self. So their core weakness is envy, and this is where they feel that there's something tragically flawed or missing inside them, and that um, others possess the qualities that they lack. So think of them as like a puzzle, or all of us are a puzzle, gotcha. but they have this missing piece at the very end. You know, you put it all together, and you're like, this is going to be great. It's going to sure. be beautiful. And then there's that missing piece, and you're like so distraught and like frustrated. Mm-hmm. And that's how they feel about themselves. There's something missing, mm-hmm. and they long to have this missing piece. And they look around, they feel like everyone else has this perfectly done puzzle but them. Gotcha. Um and so they feel defective and flawed, and they long to hear you are seen in love for exactly who you are, special and unique. Mm, gotcha. Then the type five, before we take a little break and talk, um, <laughs> is the investigative thinker, and they fear being annihilated, invaded. They fear not being thought as uh, capable and competent. They fear being ignorant and obligations being placed on them to Mm. the point where their energy is being completely depleted. So they desire to be knowledgeable, capable, and competent. And their core weakness is avarice. 
Now, avarice can, in the English language, talks about greedy with money. This is different. This is that they feel that they lack inner resources and that too mm-hmm. much interaction mm-hmm. with others will lead to catastrophic depletion. So they uh, withhold themselves from contact to the, with the world and they are hoarding or holding on to their resources and minimizing their needs. Gotcha. And so for them, think of them as like a cell phone battery that you plugged in all night and you wake up and you still only start with like 20% for the day. Gotcha. That's how much, it's not a physical energy, it is a um, relational energy. So they only uh-huh. have about 20% every day to have this interactive energy. So they ration it out. So they really need to kind of know what's going to be happening gotcha. so they can ration out this uh, interactive energy that they have. Mm-hmm. And if someone, you know, uh, intrudes on their space or puts obligations on them or surprises them, it depletes it really quickly and they fear catastrophic depletion. And so you'll see strong boundaries come up and they have to go and have time alone. What they long to hear is your needs are not a problem. Hmm. So those are the first five. Yeah, man. It's so good. I I know you can't see on this end, Beth, but we're all looking around the room at one another because we know who everybody's, what everybody's numbers are in the room. And so when you're speaking to that number, we're like, is that you? Is that you? And he's like, yes, 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 that's me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I I don't know if any of the, anybody listening is feeling this as well, but I just, every time I read things or hear things or even just hearing you speak about each of the numbers, I'm just struck by, it is so hard to have an understanding of these things and an understanding of people and have a judgmental heart mm-hmm. because as you're describing yeah, each yeah. of these numbers, I'm like, I just want to go hug a three. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go hug a four yeah. right now. I want to go hug a five. You know, like it just gives you such a love and compassion for people. And, and truly, like you said, it just, it really helps to remove that judgment yeah. or that assumption that the way I see and do things is the right way. Yeah. Um, yes. So it's just so, it's so helpful. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, we all were, like she said, we were looking around <laughs> with tears glistening in our eyes. <laughs> Not really, but I mean, it does give you that empathy. And so I guess my question, one thing that I love about you, Beth, and, and the way that you present the Enneagram is you always point back to how people can get those core needs and longings met through Christ. And even just the way you verbalize that, I'm like, yes, that at the, at the core of my being, like, that's what. I need to do with this. And so do you mind talking a little bit more about those core needs and longings and maybe even for a second talking about how those could have developed in childhood? I know there's a lot of discussion and that could probably be like another episode (laughs) in and of itself, but how do we take those to Jesus? Like how, um, yeah, maybe just kind of, uh, unpack that huge box for us for a second. Yeah, so we, most or most of the teachers out there believe that we're born our type, but mm-hmm. obviously, so it's nature and nurture, okay? okay? So you're born with your type, but obviously how we grow up and the influences in our life definitely play a dramatic role on whether we're growing in a healthy way in that type or mm-hmm. an average or an unhealthy way. And mm-hmm. now what I tend to call it um is being aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so the more we're aligned, we know, believe, and trust in our identity in Christ, the more we feel the sense of freedom and connection to Christ. And we're just as connected no matter where we are when we are in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So our relationship status doesn't change, but how we experience it does, you know, and how we think of it. And so when we're aligned with the truth of the gospel, we actually are able to take on, like I was saying earlier, 
kind of any of the attributes because like even though I'm a nine I'm like well why can't I use some of the healthy attributes of a seven Mm -hmm. or a three even though there's no lines connected like that's why there's that circle so we can use all nine types we just feel constrained to not Um, we feel like we have to do it the way that our hard wiring is but the more we get into this freedom mindset the more we're like no there's freedom to choose different aspects now with the Enneagram, and this is where we couldn't get into a lot of the details in just one podcast, sure. you have easy access to several numbers. So your own, obviously, mm-hmm. the two next to you, which are called wings, and the two numbers that are their lines connected to from your type. And we call those resource points or access points where you can easily access those. Think of those as being like salt and pepper and a few spices sitting next to you as you're cooking a perfect filet mignon, which is your personality that type. Good, yes. <laughs> and you can access them really quickly because they're right there, you know, so that you want to season the filet mignon really well, right, to draw sure. out the best of that type. Mm. Well, it doesn't mean that the rest of the numbers have no importance to you. They're mm-hmm. the seasonings behind you in the pantry that you can still access, but you think you're constrained to not when you're not healthy. Sure. But the more you realize, wait, God's given us a lot of resources and tools. I don't have to just live in this box. I can use more resources. So then you realize, oh, I can reach behind me in the pantry and access some of those things behind me. It's a lot harder. It takes a lot more effort, mm. but it's still there. And so that goes into a whole nother, like, as you guys probably understand, hours and hours of <laughs> yes, training and coaching. Yes, sure. But the whole point is to realize there's so much freedom in Christ. But yeah. as we grow up, if we've gone through traumas or just anything, no matter what, we're on this side of heaven and we experience the fall to varying degrees. Right. The more we have not been raised uh, well, nurtured well, mm-hmm. especially in our type, the more our hard wiring constrains us and we believe we must operate in this one way mm-hmm. and so those are called childhood wounds or um diff- there's different ways of, of saying it sure. and a lot of people think they became their type because of this wound mm-hmm. and I would actually propose well if you were let's say there was nine siblings right. and all nine siblings had different types and they all experienced the same mm-hmm. traumatic experience they're all going to see it from different perspectives and then interpret and react to it differently so just because you experience something doesn't create your type Mm -hmm. you actually interpret it Mm -hmm. through your type so think of you're like wearing a sunglasses which is your personality's types perspective you saw it and experienced it and then interpreted it through those lens and that's um and that's where real freedom comes in because like for me as a type nine my quote-unquote childhood message is don't assert yourself. Mm. Well, my parents were the opposite. Of, they were trying to help me experience life. My dad's a seven. He's like, go for it. Like, you're this, this, and this. <laughs> oh, yes. But I did have an experience growing up where I experienced, I, I tried something, and it wasn't what I should have tried, I guess, socially, at least compared to what my mom thought. And she's a different type. She's a six. Gotcha. And she was like, oh, we don't do that. You know, that's not that's not the appropriate thing to do. Yeah. And so that was, in my mind, don't assert yourself. Don't ever try to do anything that would get you outside of what's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, she was not at all trying to communicate that to me. Yeah. But 
you know, but that's how it stuck inside me. Now, if I was a different type, I would have had a different message being in, you know, coming inside me. Sure. And so what we want to recognize is you're born with your type. Therefore, you're born in this box, right? right. And this side of heaven. Right. And it's not that the type itself is wrong because there's so many beautiful things when we're healthy. But we have to recognize where, where are we constrained? Where is um, this side of heaven keeping us from living out who we are in Christ? And the more we offer ourselves to Christ, the more we surrender to Christ, the more we know that he has satisfied our core longing, the more we actually have this freedom to become things that we never thought was possible. And so what we, when we look at the core longing, that's really where I try to help people realize your freedom lies there mm. in Christ. So whatever your heart has longed to hear, you're trying to get it from, like I said earlier, people, careers, you name it. Yeah. And when they don't give it to us, we we demand it from them, we punish them, and we judge them. And that is where you see an idol forming. Ooh, well, when you, <laughs> when you recognize, oh, wait, it's not that the desire, the longing is bad or wrong. It's not at all wrong. God gave that to you. Mm. It's that you're trying to get it from an empty source. Like mm. humans and careers can never fulfill that yeah. to the degree that you absolutely need it. Yeah. And so when you recognize, wait, Christ already satisfied and fulfilled it. I need to come back to him, the spring of living water, and get replenished all the time and not demand it from my spouse or my mm -hmm. kids or career. Then you'll see great freedom come from there. So, for instance, like we talked about the ones, you know, their core longing being you are good. The ones are like, but I'm not good. And I'm like, you're right. You're not good. But Christ was good on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And so he, he took away your sins and gave you his righteousness. Yeah. And therefore... God looks at you and says you are good, not because you did anything good, but because Christ's righteousness is now on you, and that's what he sees. That's and so goodness. it's this ultimate freedom that you start to see, like, oh, wait, even though I see us, the assaults of the world or the imperfections of the world are assaulting me, I can now say with much freedom, yes, there are these imperfections, but it is okay. Yeah. He has won the victory. And so that's where things begin, begin to so transform the person versus us trying to transform ourselves. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. I got to go journal about that after this. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's so helpful. Do not worry. There is more to come. If you're familiar with the Enneagram and you're like, wait a minute, I am numbers, you know, six through nine. Don't worry, we just did numbers one through five today, and that is where we are headed for the next episode with Beth McCord. So we hope you enjoyed this extra special episode because you got two Mercy Talks in one week. We've got another one dropping for you on Thursday, so make sure you check back then to finish that conversation with Beth McCord. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd love for you to head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also find previous episodes there. Mercy Multiplied is a nonprofit organization completely funded by our donors. We're incredibly grateful and couldn't do what we do without them. If you want to find out more how you can partner with us financially, head over to mercymultiplied.com. Mm -hmm.